0: Uh, Alright, so we, uh, last week, uh, we talked about following Mary on her thoughtful journey to wonder and devotion, and uh, had the opportunity to look at uh, Matthew, uh, excuse me, Luke uh, chapter 1. Today, we are focused on following Joseph on this journey, uh, thoughtful, a thoughtful journey Uh, We talked about that a little bit, what that means uh, last week, uh, to wonder and devotion. And um, I find that the story uh, really doesn't need any um, exaggeration. Um, It is a a dramatic and amazing story of the journey uh, that Mary and Joseph had, especially if you uh, take your time uh, to read it, uh, to um, bring yourself to this thought that you know someday you'll get a chance to to meet Mary and Joseph, they are real people with um, eternal you know spirits So we'll get a chance to meet someday and uh, think about what it what their journey was was like. Uh, because this this story, um, it's specific and it's amazing. It's specific, and it's amazing. I don't know if you, you go through a little bit of life and you find uh, need. You find yourself up against um, challenges, limitations, things that are beyond your control, and you find yourself in a place of need, with something that is specific and amazing, meaning it's, it's beyond your ability. Uh, The supernatural. So let's go uh, to Joseph's um, side of of this part of the story. Turning to Matthew chapter 1, uh, verses 18 through 25. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph uh, woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. He did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. We can follow Mary and Joseph on their thoughtful journey to wonder and devotion. And we we looked at Mary's perspective on this part of the journey last week, and today's we're, we're reading about Joseph and the message he received from God Joseph and Mary are engaged to be married. Uh, We don't get a full explanation of their relationship dynamic here. We don't get all the details. Um, In fact, one of the things, there's something that I want us to just kind of remember. If there's something in the scripture, there's a reason it's there. But there's a lot of things that are not in the scripture, and that leave us with some curiosity. And I'm thankful that there will be a day where we will get to ask our questions. But one of the things that we don't know is we don't know if Mary told him about her visitation from Gabriel that we read about last week. We don't know if she told him about it and he didn't believe her. Or he just found out somehow some way that she was pregnant and was on his own journey. You know, the, um, the, if we look at the culture at the time, she's likely uh, a teenager, and he's likely already in his profession as a carpenter. And so, and they're, they're promised to be married to each other, and they're in this waiting period as the celebration is being planned, and we don't really know how much conversation was was going on um, and and unfortunately this time of year a lot of people make assumptions and tell stories in such a way that I think <laughs> isn't real And I, I'm, I'm kind of particular to let's not talk about it as though you, you know what I'm saying let's not get it twisted let's not put something on Mary and Joseph that isn't there that we don't explicitly read in the story so we don't know what the relationship dynamic was um, it's, it's possible that he didn't believe her. Um, it, it's also possible that he didn't know, that she, she hadn't told him yet for, for whatever reason. Um, and, and with the culture of the day, if, you know, if a couple, if there was a pregnancy out, outside of wedlock, there was you know, a, a cultural and practice to, to be ostracized at a minimum, And um, breaking off the relationship and other things, you know, more dramatic were were something that was was also done. Uh, But what we know is that these are um, Jewish people, and they were Jewish people who were living in a time and a place where there was a bunch of different cultures, four cultures primarily that were kind of mixing between them. And so we don't know what all cultural practices they were following. And to pretend that we do is kind of silly. But at any rate, we don't don't know what the dynamic was. But what we do know is what is revealed, most likely from Joseph's own mouth to Matthew and Luke, is an explanation of what was going on in his head. And what was going on in his head was that this isn't good. But also what we see is that though he could have taken a more extreme approach he was choosing a culture of grace and honor and wanting to do it quietly. And then the angel comes with a message. And there's something going on in the heart of Joseph that causes his own journey, right? This is, to, to be human is, includes the capacity for thoughts and emotions that might even contradict each other. You, 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 you might have thoughts and feelings on a given day that would be mixed, that would be a little bit this way, a little bit that way, right? And what we know is that as a carpenter, you know, he's got pressure. There's deadline. There's, there's other people's expectations. But what we also know is that he's a human. And to be human means that, that there's yearning for something more, something better, for life to be better. And we know that there are dreams. There's hopes for, for what marriage would be like. But there's this message that comes from God. And Joseph goes on this journey that includes receiving this message from God about something specific and something amazing. But what is the message that Joseph carried? Why does it matter? Why is it that now the calendars of the world are aware that there was a human, there are historians outside of the Scripture that record it, there's a human named Jesus who was called Jesus Christ who had a virgin birth, the only one to predict his own death, burial, and resurrection, and it happened. What, What is this message? What is the purpose? What is the meaning of his life? And why does it matter? And why does it matter to us today? When we see verse 21 is that the angel says, "You are to name his, him Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins." Maybe you've heard that Yeshua is a, a common name, the root kind of similar to Joshua, but, but the, the name means the Lord saves." So the, the people, at this part of the story, they, they've got needs that are natural, needs that are spiritual, we, we read about this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We hear different people at different parts of the story talk about how they're wanting help from God in this life. They're desiring something specific and something amazing. Joseph, he felt this in him. And, and he must have to have responded the way that he did with everything else that we read in the story. And sure, it's true, you can live a good life and, without being a spiritual person. You, lots of people live a good life and do good things without a relationship with a God. Yet there's a yearning for more. It never seems to be enough. Things happen. There's pain. There's brokenness. There's suffering and even evil in the world. But Joseph, he was aware that over the centuries, most people believed in God. In fact, he was aware that most people believed in a one true living God. He'd become familiar with the stories of this God who gave life and love. That this God was powerful and faithful in love. Through the centuries it had been recorded that this God gave people his love faithfully even when they were not faithful in loving him in return. God called them to faithful love, to freedom and purity. And yet in all their pursuit of freedom, they didn't live with this purity and faithful love. They made mistakes. Their mistakes caused pain and brokenness in relationships. They needed help. They found they needed forgiveness and freedom from their mistakes so that they could live in this pure, faithful love of God. And clearly this message resonated with Joseph. He was in need of it himself. When he hears the angels say, "You will call him Jesus," he will save people from their sins. But Jesus Christ clearly had an awareness of this, and he himself explained it, and he summed it up the way that John recorded John three sixteen and seventeen. For this is how God loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Clearly, this, mess, this is the message that Joseph was carrying, and it was true. There was an awareness. They had an awareness that the top priority, the thing that God had called them to, was love, devotion, commitment, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love your neighbor in the same way you take care of yourself. We look around us today and what do we see? We still have trouble with that. If I offered you a glass of water I said don't worry it's not just Baltimore city water it was in the purifier you'd have an expectation of it and if, if, you, if you tasted salt in it, or worse yet, you found some grains of sand, just a couple, when you drank the water, would you consider it pure? No. <laughs> in the same way, one, two, just, just a little bit of sin, and we're not pure. We're in need of that rescue. We're in need of something specific, something amazing. We come to that place to just confess, God, I, I'm a moral failure. I don't love you with all my heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and I don't love my neighbor in the same way I take care of myself. We've got to come to that place. We go just a little bit further, and we see more explanation about who Jesus is. Emmanuel, God, with us. Referencing the prophet Isaiah. So the message includes Jesus will save people from sin, Jesus is God, Jesus is human, Jesus is God human with us. Let's talk a little bit about what that means, because we make a mistake if we only relate to God on our own terms. And we don't desire to get to know who God really is. And in order to walk out this journey, Joseph had some wonder and he had some devotion and it included a devotion to getting to know who God is to receiving this message from God. Jesus is God. John says in John chapter 1 that Jesus is the Word who was never created. Jesus, he's referencing Jesus Christ who he saw with his eyes, heard with his ears, Jesus is the one who existed with Father God since the beginning through whom everything was made, and the Word is God. This can be a little bit hard to wrap our brains around. I I like that the YouTube channel, The Bible Project, has a video entitled, God, that helps us with this. But But think about this, God, Jesus was with God from the very beginning. John references him as the Word, the one who always has existed, through whom God created. Paul, a Jew and a Pharisee, says that all the fullness of God dwells in Jesus bodily. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. Check this out. Not just a third of God or half of God, but all of the divine substance. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Whoa! The Apostle Peter, another Jewish man, writes 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter is calling Jesus God. Jesus Christ showed a consciousness of his divine identity. All through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see Jesus forgiving people of their sin, which only God can do. It's not just, a, oh, you wronged me and I forgive you of that. No, of whatever the sin was. Jesus was forgiving sins. And only one who is pure, only one who is divine, only one who is sovereign over can say your sins are forgiven, can enact forgiveness, can lift that moral guilt, can lift that responsibility to be punished, that 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 she can bring freedom, can bring saving from sin. Jesus was clearly was aware of his identity as being divine. He also said, I'm going to come back and judge the earth and only God can do that. Jesus also claimed to have mutual equal knowledge with God the Father, Matthew 11. And many times and in many ways, Jesus said, I am God and thousands believed him and worshiped him. It's what we see in Acts 2. Now, if we're honest... This can be harder to believe than believing that we can be healed or get a job or have some other kind of miracle. It can be an intellectual watershed. It can be a personal crisis. Or it can be a great hope. See, the claim that Jesus is God is the greatest possible hope for something specific and something amazing. This means that our world is not all that there is. Don't you think that Joseph yearned for the truth to be that it's not all up to him? In fact, that he could live for something greater than just his family business. In fact, that doing the ordinary things could be connected with something greater, something more important. The yearning in the the human spirit for that connects with who God really is. And this mystery, this truth, That Jesus is something specific and something amazing. Not only does it say that our lives is not all there is, it also says that there is life and love after death. And that evil and suffering will one day end. Jesus is God. Jesus is human. Jesus is truly God. Jesus is truly human. Charlotte's reading a a book by a physicist right now who had this journey of not believing that there is a God and this journey of coming to believe in Jesus as God. And this physicist notes that scientists have observed light as both a particle and a wave. That light is this unique thing in the scientific world that can be both. Jesus is this unique thing that can be both. Some of you took philosophy in school. This is truly unique among all philosophies and religions in the world. Go through the history of philosophy. They're always arguing, arguing, what is more ultimate, the absolute or the particular? The one or the many? The ideal and eternal or the real and the concrete? Is Plato right or Aristotle? But the doctrine of incarnation, the teaching of who Jesus is as fully God and fully human, breaks through these binaries and categories. Emmanuel means the ideal has become real, specific, amazing. The absolute has become a particular. And the invisible has become visible. The incarnation is the universe sundering, history-altering, life-transforming, paradigm-shattering event of history. I like that quote from Timothy Keller in his book, Hidden Christmas. When God showed up in Jesus Christ, it wasn't a pillar of fire, a tornado, but a baby that needed the nurture of parents. Think about Joseph's journey. It's amazing. Truly amazing. Jesus looks like us. He gets us. I, I, I came to um, interact a little bit with the people doing the national um, ad campaign on TV. He gets us. He's fully human in every way, according to Hebrews 2.17. Because he himself suffered when he was tried and tested, he is able to help those who are being tried and tested. Hebrews 2:18 Jesus suffered, He triumphed, He triumphed through suffering. It means that Jesus has infinite power to comfort. What are you yearning for? Something specific, something amazing. Millions of people over the centuries have found this to be true have found the search of this identity in Scripture to be helpful in their lives. Over the centuries, millions of people have found this to be helpful. The Messiah, Jesus, fully God, fully human, He gets us. He came down to be with us. He grew up with a a normal life. I think it is of note the different things that Scripture is silent about, right? Right? What's it silent about? Chronologically speaking, most of Jesus' life. Fully God, fully human, and yet not really about celebrity culture. He could have Instagrammed every meal. Every pet. No, most of his life, chronologically speaking, is unremarkable. I've been described with similar words. Not very tall, not very athletic, not very good looking. Probably won't amount to a whole lot. You know, I I, I like the fact a little bit that that Jesus, this human history altering being, lived a normal life. In fact, when he called the 12 closer to him in Mark 3.14, it says he called them so that they could be with him. From Adam and Eve in the garden, all the way through the scripture, what we see is God making an effort, reaching out to be with. For 2023, one of my books on my to do list is called With and talking about our relationship with God. Jesus moved heaven and earth to get near us. What should we be doing now to truly be with Him? What are the elements of a genuine close relationship? Communication, frequent communication, candid communication, loving communication. If we don't have that, I mean, is it, what kind of a relationship is it? Is it it just transactional? What this means is that it's not simply about saying your prayers, but having a prayer life that leads to communion with God, a sense of his presence in your heart and life look at Psalm 27, 63, 84, 131 to see this kind of prayer. Conversation. Dialogue. On the other hand, being in, in a personal relationship means it communicates with you. It comes from, a, listening comes from a deep acquaintance with the Bible. And it, it takes some effort to have an ability to read it, to understand it, to meditate on it. Look at Psalm 1 and Psalm 119 to see how the Bible can become this vital force in your life. But I p- particularly after reading Hidden Christmas from Timothy Keller, chose these words, thoughtful journey to wonder and devotion. Because I think one thing that God, that I hear the Holy Spirit inviting us to in this calendar year is to reignite some passion. Engage curiosity. Your curiosity about God. We've been, I think you may have jumped to the picture, you can put the picture up. We've been tracking this story with Chris Hemsworth, who's, he did this little little, uh, mini-series on... um, Engaging with all these experts on anti-aging, how to slow the aging process in between, you know, shooting Avenger movies and, and stuff. And, and uh, the geneticist discovered that he has an 8 to 10 times uh, greater likelihood to have Alzheimer's and that really rocked him. In fact, it's it said that he's actually kind of semi-retired right now because he's trying to process that. But the the doctors and uh, mental health professionals and geneticists that were coaching him on this whole thing were explaining to him brain science and what can be done to prevent, um, to slow um, those type of brain diseases. And there's amazing discoveries about the brain that have been happening lately. And one of the things that they have discovered is that the synapses, the neural pathways, the way, that, what makes your brain, what helps your brain to work and work better, where there's been decay and where there's been damage, and, and damage can happen actually through trauma and other things, but that there can be healing and that there can be increased capacity in the physical, in the brain. There can be healing and increased capacity if you're on a journey of wonder, of curiosity. If you engage in what they call novel experiences, and that's not reading or watching novels, it's doing something that's entirely new for you that engages your brain in some sort of exploration. And, you know, I've dug ditches and I've I've worked in a tire shop and I've also worked in cubicles. And I think I hated that one the most. (laughs) I I just didn't do well. So they did, you know, they exercised the Dilbert principle and promoted me. Some of you will get that joke. So what, ha- what they did with Chris Hemsworth and, and, and a friend was they, they had them engage on a hike in a, in a remote part of Australia that they had never been before, that they weren't familiar with, without the help of GPS, navigation, a phone, or even a compass, now, they, ahead of time, they let them look at maps, and this is a, a two-day hike, and they, they let them look at maps, and then they give them a helicopter ride in. Oh, to have such a difficult life, right? <laughs> and, and so they were able to see kind of from an aerial view what the journey was going to be like. But the purpose of the exercise is something I, w- I would love to do personally, is That they would have this experience without the interruption of cell phones and emails and tasks and all these other things. A focus on survival, but, but not in a defensive way, in an exploration way. And to navigate and to get from one place to another. And here's what I think we can learn from this. And even what just the scientists, this is not a Christian documentary or anything like that. But what they've said that is very clear is that a commitment to a journey of wonderful discovery is literally good for your physical health. Because what's good for your physical brain then engages your mental health and your emotional health, and a lot of the disorders and diseases we have are, can be triggered by and made worse by stress and anxiety. But if there's a commitment to a, a thoughtful wonderful journey of curiosity and wonder with some commitment to it that it's literally good for your health. What what am I saying? I think we can follow Mary and Joseph on their thoughtful journey to wonder and devotion by devoting ourselves to Jesus. By engaging a curiosity. By not Assuming that we already know the end of the story, we've already learned everything that there is to learn, because I've got news for you, you have not. Because God is inexhaustible. The Scripture is inexhaustible. Jesus is inexhaustible. Just, I heard somebody say, well, I've learned that the universe is expanding, so I should expand too. God wants to bring inspiration, curiosity and expansion in your relationship with Him for something specific and something amazing so what should we do well one I recommend this week read the story found in Matthew chapter 1 over this past week for those of you that do kind of track with my suggestions you, you read Luke 1 so now read Matthew 1 Like, take your time with it. And and see, like, what, what questions bubble up to the surface? What are the blanks? What are the unknowns? I hated algebra, so don't ask me to solve for the X, but... What are the unknowns? What are the curiosities? What are the questions? Search out the answers to your questions. So that's one and two. Read read the story found in Matthew 1. Number two, search out the answers to your questions. Number three, pray asking God for guidance. I think one of the, a big mistake we can make is try to wade deep into reading the Scripture without having a conversation with God as we go. Mm -hmm. It's so hard, it's so boring, I can't do it. Yeah, I've experienced that, sure. But when I have slowed down and had a conversation with God as I read, it's a totally different experience. It's there for your benefit. So that we're not in the wilderness of life without any navigation tools without any awareness of our identity and our value and our purpose. The Scripture is literally there so that we have something we can rely on. Where there's some objective truth, some elemental, some simple, some easy to identify, like, no, that's real. So pray, asking God for help as you read. Number four, what will happen is you will identify, you will pretty quickly come up with the Holy Spirit's help because this is what the Holy Spirit does when you ask for help. You'll come up with a next step in your spiritual journey. So when that's been identified, take that next step. And, and what is that? Is that carving out daily relationship time for God? Is it Reading in that daily relationship with, time, with God? Or maybe you're only a reader and you're not a conversator. Maybe it's time to talk, or maybe you're one who only talks to God but doesn't listen. What is the next step that gets identified? And when that next step gets identified, take that next step. If I feel stuck... The Holy Spirit can bring gentle guidance to that one next step, and then taking that next step is actually life-giving. When I leave it to just my own internal voice, the relationship with God can just be a bummer and it can come to a complete stop. But if I'm actually more focused on God than my own thoughts, and if I'm listening to God as though He is like actually God, and you know what I'm saying? then it's a little bit more encouraging. And then what happens is it's also fulfilling. It's enjoyable. We can actually make enjoying God our main thing. What we enjoy the most. This is something I've been thinking about a lot this past month. Take a next step in your journey. And lastly... Share your journey with someone in your church family. Let's make it real. Look around the room. What could you do? Could you send a text? Could you, maybe it's got to start with getting somebody's contact information. Could you have a conversation here and now? Is there some way that you could share the journey? And what's a whole lot better is that if someone has identified a question that you don't try to be the answer person, but instead what you say is like, hey, let's go look for the answer together. I mean, I kind of have an idea, but maybe, like, like, why don't we sit down or talk? Like, why don't we do something to look for that answer together? So that's actually, when you read about in the New Testament, what the, what the church was like. It was very communal. It was very together. It was, there was an equality about it. There was a love and a devotion to God, and there was a searching out. There was a following Jesus. as something we do together. So share your journey with someone in your church family. Let's close in prayer. God, I know that here now in this room, some of us are feeling a, a desperation for something specific and something amazing. Some of us are experiencing heartbreak. Some of us are, are thinking about loved ones lost this year and, and really not wanting the holidays to, to be a thing. Some of us are in the doldrums. Some of us are excited about different things about life. Some of us are exhausted and feeling pressured. God, I just ask that you would help each and every one of us to be more aware of your presence than ever before. Open our spiritual ears. Open our spiritual eyes. Help us, God. Here now in this moment to just be open to you. To look to you more than that thing. Help us to receive your specific amazing love for us. Help us to not hold anything back from your love. Help us to receive your love, your powerful presence. Help us to listen to you. Help us to hear you. Help us one moment at a time, one day at a time, to be interacting with you, focused on you, believing that you provide, you protect, and that you permit God, we turn to You. We thank You that Jesus can provide an infinite comfort because Jesus suffered. And Jesus had victory over suffering. That His resurrection points to the fact that there is something meaningful for us to live for now, That it's not just about us or our life, there is something meaningful for us to live for now. And that beyond this life, there is life and love that lasts forever. Lord, let our our spirits open and expand like lungs, taking in the breath of your presence and a fresh inspiration, a fresh excitement, a fresh joy about life. we walk this journey of faith with you. God, we make a fresh commitment to love you with all we've got and to share that love with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.